I'm Dr. Ward Bond, and I welcome you to Life Changing Wellness, Episode 62. Today, we talk about a seven-step practice to nourish your spirit through nature, art, and ritual. This is going to be one life-changing episode. This is Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness. Life-Changing Wellness. Here's Dr. Ward Bond. Welcome, everyone, to the show today. Before we begin, if you could just do me a favor, please head over to iTunes after the interview with my guest today, rate and review the show for me, and I thank you ahead of time for making our show great. And I encourage you to look up my show page on RadioMD.com slash Dr. Bond. My guest today is Day Shilkret, internationally known for morning altars and has inspired tens of thousands of people of all ages across the globe to renew our relationship to nature, creativity, and impermanence with the ritual and practice of earth art. After a major relationship breakup that he began to cultivate morning altars as a daily spiritual and beauty-making practice as a way to process his grief and heartache. And as an educator and public speaker, Shilkret began his career teaching teenagers and mentoring them to connect their spirituality with a deeper nature connection. He was the winner of the Helen Diller Award for Excellence in Education with his widely popular Fire Circle class. For over 10 years, Shilkret gathered hundreds of students around a fire to learn about ancestry, spirituality, responsibility, and impermanence. Shilkret is also the founder of Legacy as Livelihood, a creative purpose coaching practice, and the Break Free Lab, a nationally touring workshop designed for creative and spiritually minded people who long to find their creative purpose and live a life devoted to serving their creative calling. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Day Shilkret to the show. Welcome, Day. Happy to be here. Well, I am so interested. Well, I am glad that you're here, too. And here's what I want to do. I want to have everybody who's listening to the show, and we all have our fancy smartphones, and we have our iPads and even our computers. So as you're listening, I want to add a visual to this program. So I want everybody to go to your Instagram account. I want you to pull up the account, and it says Morning Alters. That's Day's page. There's over 60,000 followers there. And I want you to look at the pictures as we go through... Our discussion today, so you can see days, days. I mean, absolutely creative genius is what I want to call it. Yeah. And uh, so, and, and as you're looking at those pictures, to spell it for people. It's uh, morning, like this morning. M O R N I N G and alters. A L T A R S. Oh, A L T. A-R-S. A-R-S, yeah. Ah, thank you for bringing that up. I, I'm still thinking with the E-R-S, but yeah, the A-R-S. So, ladies and gentlemen, pull that up. Uh, M-O-R-N-I-N-G-A-L-T-A-R-S. And so, Dave, I want to start off. Uh, what are the seven steps behind how you make your pieces? Uh, and also, what is your thought process on mindfulness and how it could be beneficial to all of our listeners to slow down breathe and truly appreciate our surroundings. Sure thing. Well, um, I should first just start off by saying that this uh, practice found me. I didn't find it. It's not like I, um, you know, made something up and then started practicing it. Actually, I've been making earth art since I was about a five-year-old boy. Um, I, in the book that I just wrote, I um, tell the story where I run out onto the driveway after rainstorms, and um, I was the kid that would 
find all the little worms that were displaced on the driveway, and I'd help them get back into the ground. Uh, but it wasn't enough for me to uh, to just get them back into the into the earth. I actually just felt compelled to decorate all the little wormholes on my front lawn. And uh, by the end of the day, there was a constellation of little decorated, adorned wormhole holes. Um, and so that's that's how it started about five when I was five years old. And then um, most recently, I've always been drawn to to making art in nature, sitting on the beach, you know, playing with the seashells, um, you know, being at a park, playing with little leaves that had fallen from the tree. But about, um, you know, seven years ago now, I had a major relationship breakup, Uh, the kind of breakup that, you know, you're you're grief-soaked for some time. Um, Hard to, uh, to do anything but be sad. And uh, I had a dog at the time, and she had uh, pulled me basically outside every day. You know, I don't know if I would have got, even gone outside if it was for her. And on these dog walks, I would, um, you know, my head would be hanging low, and I'd just be pretty down. And I'd be finding all of these beautiful leaves and feathers and uh, buckeye fruits and berries and you know, all of these things that would for half a second just take me out of my grief. And, um, and one day, it was, we were on a, a walk at about dawn, and we were on the top of the hill in Wildcat, at Wildcat Canyon, California, and the fog was rolling in, and I sat down under a eucalyptus tree, and there were these beautiful amber-colored mushrooms. And I just made, I just started to arrange them. I sat down with my dog. And I just started to kind of arrange the mushrooms and some eucalyptus caps and bark. And an hour went by in what felt like a second. And um, something I made something beautiful at my feet. And I realized that for half a second, my grief was lifted for that hour, actually. And, um, and I made a challenge to myself. Could I return to that spot on that hill for 30 days and make something beautiful every day? And, uh, and I did, and I haven't stopped. It's been years. Um, it's been seven years of doing this as a daily practice. Along the way, um, as, as the popularity of sharing this art grew on Instagram and Facebook, I had a lot of people asking me, you know, I want to do this. How do I do this? And so I looked at what I was doing through the day. Um, you know, I'd leave my house. I'd grab my basket and my dog walk around the neighborhood for a little bit, and I'd basically get lost. I'd go on a, uh, on a street or on a path that I had never gone before. I'd let myself wander, and I'd see new things with new eyes. I'd see a tree or a bush or a, or a feather that I'd never seen before. And then I'd basically come back to my home and go down by the creek where I, where I lived, and I'd sit there for a, um, you know, sometimes 10 minutes, sometimes half an hour, and i just would look at what was happening around me, where the sun was, what birds were there, um, what the ground was like, what, had it rained earlier that day. And, um, and then I'd sweep a little bit of a space, for like, almost like a palette. I'm sorry, a canvas. I'd sweep a little bit of a canvas, on the, out, you know, push the fallen leaves and, and branches out of the way. And then I'd take all of the treasures that I'd found, and I'd make something geometrical, something symmetrical. Um, I put the berries in certain lines or the pine cones in a certain line, uh, the leaves in a certain pattern. 
and um, and some after about an hour or two, I'd make something that just really um, stunned me. It it really uh, mesmerized me, um, and then I would offer it up uh, almost like a gift to someone or something in in my life or in the world that I wanted to feed with this beauty. Um, for instance, I had a best friend who had a baby recently, and I made um, a morning altar just for that baby, and I took a photograph of it, and I sent it to my best friend. And that was a gift for her newborn, which, based on her feedback, really broke her heart open. Um, and that's the sixth step, which is the photographing. And then the seventh step of the practice um, is the letting go, is the walking away from the art and coming back down to the creek and watching, watching the art change. You know, the berries get smushed or the leaves get crushed or the flowers wilt. And that is my way of relating every day to life changing, to impermanence, which is a very human skill and, um, and very important for us humans to be in relationship to. So well, just to ask... review real quick, because I know I yeah. went through that rather fast. The first That's step right. is I call wander and wonder, to wander around the neighborhood. The second step is called place, finding a place to sit. The third step is called clear, making the canvas. The fourth step is called create. The fifth step is called gift. The sixth is called share and photograph. And the seventh step is called letting go. Well, let me ask you something because, like, I'm I'm on your Instagram page and I, and I see this one that uh, you did in Tidewater, Oregon, uh, the Crab Nebula. It's absolutely oh, yeah. stunning. And Thank you. when you when you create something so beautiful, and it, in the beginning, was it hard for you to actually just walk away from these creations and just let nature take it back? Because sometimes Almost people. Impossible. Yeah, because to me, it's, you know, I'm glad you take a photo of them because in a way you could uh, frame them because they're so beautiful. But to me, it's, I think, you know, with society, we're so glued to our smartphones today. We have a hard time letting things go. Uh, you know, sometimes grief is one of those things that people have a difficult time letting go. And you found a way to channel out, out of that grief out of that sadness to create something so beautiful that to me it's i think one of the difficult parts of the seven steps is actually letting it's to walk away from those things yeah but the the thing that i write about in the book is um, how to transform loss into beauty and um, i wouldn't necessarily say that i'm letting go of my grief i would say that i'm employing it so, you know, for instance, I tell a story in the book that I just wrote about that dog that I took on dog walks every morning for her whole life. Um, she died last year. Mm. And for the, the last year of her life, <clears throat> I watched her basically end. You know, I could see her slowing down, uh, not eating as much, you know, sitting at my feet when she used to be playing. I could watch her slow down and, and I could watch myself be filled with a lot of grief about her ending. Um, I wasn't turning away from her ending. You know, I was really with her. This was her whole life. You know, I saw her as a puppy. I saw her in her middle ages, middle years, and then I saw her in her endings. And, and actually, it was her ending, which is where I actually felt the most love for her, because I felt my own longing for her. You know, I wanted her to stay around forever. And I really think that, um, that when we get to experience the endings of things, it's really also met 
by fierce love for that thing because we want it to stick around forever. It's very human. Um, but knowing that it can't, realizing, oh, this, my dog can't stay around forever, or that altar that you're loving right now on Instagram can't stay around forever. And that's where the love gets swelled. That's where I really feel the love for that thing. And interestingly enough, by the way, on that altar that you just sent me, uh-huh. <clears throat> I received an email two days ago from someone who happened to be walking through that land. And they took a photograph of the piece three months later, and it was remarkable. It was unbelievable to see the grass growing through the crab shells and the mussel shells, to see the berries that I had um, put down be scattered and eaten. Um, It was really like watching, you know, when I first create something, the colors are very vibrant, and it's exactly how I want it to be. And the beautiful thing about making art in nature is that you get to watch nature play with it, and you get to watch it go from the thing that you want it to be to the thing that it becomes. And, um, and there's real beauty in that, to watch something age. And um, it was a real privilege. Sometimes I don't get to see pieces that I make over the months or over the years, but um, they took a photograph of it and sent it to me, and it, it looked beautiful. It looked like a very old person. Uh, it, it looked like it aged, and um, and I love watching my art change beyond um, my own hands because I know that then I'm in collaboration with nature. Now, do you do a lot of these um, morning altars? Uh, let's say if you did if you did them in the forest, um, do do you, I mean? And I know people will come across them, and they're, they're probably I mean, due to the fact that they're so beautiful, a lot of people probably want to somehow protect them from, you know, people walking through it or, or some sort. But what kind of other type of uh, messages have you received from people who've maybe uh, come across uh, come across these morning altars and, you know, let's say basically out in the middle of nowhere, deep into the forest yeah. or maybe on the beach and no one was around and they were the only ones there and they're thinking, who did this? How did this get here? What you kind know, of stories have you heard? You know, for someone who... Yeah, for for someone who hasn't read my book yet, you're you're quoting from my book right now because <laughs> because because I told I actually tell a few stories about people that have come across my art without realizing it. Um, you know, people walking on a path in in the park, um, and suddenly they see a piece in in nature that they didn't realize that they that was there. And I got, I've had an opportunity to watch people um, be surprised by seeing my art. And it's almost as if the entire forest becomes the possibility for an art installation. So their sense of wonder and curiosity and surprise gets heightened. And they walk on the path, they stop, put, they stop using their phone, they stop you know, talking to a friend, everything becomes the possibility of being an art piece. And I love that. I love bringing people to a sense of wonder. I really think it's in major decline right now in our culture, you know, a sense of, of awe. And I think it's one of the most important human traits that we can practice to stay healthy in these times is to wonder about things and to be in awe of the littlest things. I mean, that's what I love about my art is I pass by, um, you know, a pine cone and I don't see things mundanely anymore. You know, I don't take for granted, oh, that's just another pine cone. I really, I'm, I really wonder after things. 
and um, it makes my day so much brighter and so much more interesting, and it makes life so much more colorful. and And that's why I do this practice is because you know I I really think it's important um, during these very troubled times to stay as interested and as curious about our lives as we can. And um, one of the stories I tell in the book was of a woman who posted a photograph of an altar on fa- of, that I made on Facebook. Uh, I didn't know her. She happened to show up in my newsfeed as a friend of a friend, I think, of a friend. And um, the caption underneath my altar said something along the lines of this. Um, I just found out that um, I'm being evicted from my house. Yesterday, my car got broken into, and three days ago, I lost my job. And my life seems to be falling apart, and I don't exactly know what to do. Um, I think I'm going to leave California, and um, I'm feeling a lot of despair. So I took a walk in the park today, and I came across this treasure, she called it. <laughs> and, um, and it surprised me, and it brought me back into faith with life. And she wrote, I don't know who built this or how it got there, or if it were little fairy angels that made it, but you gave me um, faith back again to stay uh, faithful to my life. And, um, and I got to read this, not because I intended to, to help her, but I got to read this randomly as almost like a, um, a privilege and uh, to realize that my art is, is you know, almost like seeds in the wind, and they're sprouting in people's lives. And I get messages like that, you know, every week I get a, a message like that from someplace around the world where someone saw my art on Instagram and decided, you know, maybe they're in uh, Australia or Brazil or Russia or Poland, and they go and they make some art uh, because they're inspired, and they go out in their backyard and make something, and then they send it to me. And and it's really quite remarkable when, uh, when people are um, inspired and we have this movement that's happening of making art out right outside your back door. See, I, I love that because like right now I'm looking at another one uh, that you did uh, this past summer called The Queen of Soul. And, mm-hmm. and ladies and gentlemen, uh, they had made this beautiful morning altar using the loquat seed. Uh, trumpet, vine flower, corn flower, leaves, and just earth. And what I love about this one day is that I see the the vibrance of the the yellow and the orange and the red petals in in the middle, and the way that you had placed the uh, the green leaves and then the seeds, and then just uh, at each point of the leaf bringing in the uh, the cone flowers on a gray background. Was this uh, was this a dry a dirt area in which you made this one? Yeah, that was um, that was by the creek where I lived. Um, and it was, uh, I would say, midway into our drought season here in California. And so the ground gets very cracked and, and in my opinion, very beautiful. Um, and, uh, and I made that actually on the... The reason it's called the Queen of Souls because I made that on the day that Aretha Franklin died. And, um, and as, an, as a gift for her life, and an offering for her life. And, um, yeah, that just came about because I walked around my neighborhood and found those beautiful green leaves and, um, and sat down and, and made that beautiful piece and then got to watch it change. And, uh, and that was, you know, my gift to this incredible 
iconic, um, talented artists in our in our world. And uh, you know, I think morning altars. One of the beautiful things about it is that it's an opportunity to to make something as a, for a milestone um, or for an event. Um, sometimes I write about this in my book. You know, I, I my father died in 2011, and um, every year of the anniversary of his death, um, as the years go on, I watch people that love him really struggle with how to remember him. I mean, I see sometimes people posting on Facebook a little bit, or you know, giving my mom or me a, or my brother a call. But I really feel like there's a there's a great um, uh, unknowingness in our culture of how to honor something like a, the death of an anniversary of a, um, the anniversary of a death. And, um, <clears throat> I make a, I make a morning altar every year for my father's death anniversary. And it's a way for me to feel close to him. And, um, you know, and I, I really try and talk about this a lot publicly to my audiences around the country. Um, because, you know, it's not enough to the people that we love and that we've lost. It's not enough to, um, you know, to write a few sentences on Facebook. I mean, there are the people that we hold dearest to us. And I feel this way even about my dog that died, and which my book is devoted to, by the way. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, I had a woman uh, a few months ago in England write to me, and she sent me an altar that she made out of actually fox bones and moss and pine cones. She lives in England. And she would drop her kids off at school, was sitting in the parking lot of her kids' school, scrolling through Instagram, came across my feed. It was the day of her 10th anniversary of her mother's death. Scrolling through the feed and came across my Instagram and got inspired to leave her car, go wander the woods behind her kids' school, found all of these fox bones and, and moss and pine cones, and made a, an altar for her mom. And she wrote to me, I mean, I, I got this first thing in the morning. I woke up crying because it sent shivers down my spine. She wrote, um, this is the first time I've felt in 10 years close to my mom. Um, for 10 years, I've really struggled with how to honor her, her passing. And um, it's taken me 10 years to realize that um, making something beautiful for her is a way for me to not just remember her, but to feel her present in my life again. And um, Well, aren't and so you surprised... Well, yeah. Well, aren't you surprised uh, the about the impact that your morning altars have had on so many people? You know, I'm still looking at your Instagram feed here, and I've, I've come across where um, I, did you create the three by foot, three by three foot print um, that you were that you're holding did, up in this yeah. one photo? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that print is actually now hanging in a palace. A hotel palace in Monaco. In yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic, and yeah. and I'm wondering, have you have uh, do you you know because they're so all I mean all of your work is so amazing, and are you offering prints of of these um, altars uh, to the public? I at do. All? Yeah, all of them. Um, I have a, an amazing uh, pigment print, museum quality pigment print printer. Um, near my house, and he's been my man for five, six years now, printing up these beautiful, gorgeous, life-size prints of my altars. And uh, and yeah, I think a lot of people um, feel very drawn to having them hanging in their house as a reminder of, of the natural world and, 
and the beauty. I have one person who actually, um, they, they had printed up one of my pieces as I intended it. And then I always photograph my altars, um, sometimes a day, sometimes a week later, um, when they're, when they're destroyed. And so they have in their home, um, a huge piece of one of my pieces that's whole, I call it, um, mm-hmm. as I intended it to be. And then, then I took a photograph of it, um, a week and a half later, um, disheveled, and they have a photograph of that, um, a print of that hanging next to that. And it's quite remarkable. It's very powerful. I've seen it hanging in their home. Well, let me ask you this one. Uh, tell us about your uh, national tour of workshops. What are those all about? Sure. Well, I'm currently on a um, six-month book tour and a workshop tour going around the country. Um, right now, we are. I'm heading tomorrow to Palm Springs. Uh, for the um, for the Wanderlust uh, uh, conference, it's a wellness conference called Wellspring. I'm doing a book signing and a workshop there, and then I fly. I'm flying to New York and Boise and Portland and Colorado um, and Los Angeles, and I'm uh, I'm and I'm going all over the place. Um, but the thing I want to really you know, share the good news about is um, a week from today, I fly to New York City. Um, we were just informed a few days ago that um, the 9-11 Memorial Foundation has invited us to do a morning altars workshop at the Memorial Plaza at Ground Zero. Wow. And um, they're inviting the entire downtown Manhattan to join us at the plaza under the survivor tree to for the whole group to make a large earth art installation to honor the memory of um, the victims that have that were killed and um, and so you know it could be 500 people could be 3,000 people I really hope it's not 3,000 <laughs> <laughs> well you'll be able to touch 3,000 uh, people we'll be make, we'll we'll be going yeah. through the seven steps of of, uh, that I talk about in my book, and we'll be making a collective uh, impermanent earth art piece um, at in that place, that very sacred place, and and it's a quite an honor to do that. Um, and uh, and so um, and then I'll be leaving for uh, you know as Boise and Colorado and, and Portland, etc., well, to also teach these seven steps to people all around the country. Well, I. I truly believe that next week you're going to bring a lot of peace, um, a lot of comfort, even healing to a lot of those people, a lot of those families that will come by there to to see your your work. And um, I I wish I was there next week just so I could see it. I mean, I'm actually I'm very impressed. And and again, uh, and, and before before we go, I know we have a couple of minutes. Uh, what are your meditation practices? Maybe something that uh, all of us can uh, start doing every day. Sure. Um, What I would say is my, I have an indoor meditation practice um, that's called Vipassana. And basically it's just feeling the sensations in my body, Uh, my, my lungs breathing, my, um, my feet on the floor, um, the temperature against my skin, you know, just maybe 20 minutes a day, just, just getting present. Um, But the, the real meditation practice that I do is the one that I mentioned earlier, which is I, I do this outdoors and with my eyes open and I sit someplace, you know, it could be the, 
the stoop of the house that I'm in right now. And I just, um, there's no phone in sight. I slow time down, you know, give myself a little chunk of time. And I really ask my mind to, um, to notice, to become alert and adroit to everything that's happening. Oh, there's that crow that just flew by and keeps on flying by. Oh, there's the sun. Okay, it must be around 1 p.m. Um, the breeze, oh, the breeze is picking up a little bit. You know, the light is, oh, the light just is hitting my hands right now. Just noticing the movement of the natural world. And, um, and that, I think, is something that we humans have done for many, many thousands of years. And I think only until recently we've, we've uh, stopped. Um, the FDA actually put out a, a recent statistic that said, most modern humans spend 93% of their entire lives indoors. Oh, my goodness. So you have to ask yourself, what are the skills that we're missing, we're losing, by, doing, by spending so much time indoors? And how can we find our way back out into the natural world? And, and my prayer is, I hope, you know, the book that I'm releasing right now, which is about to be released on October 30th, um, you can get it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or your local bookstore. Um, my prayer is that this book helps people come outside uh, get to see their neighborhood and the land that they live on in a whole new way, make beauty for their lives and for the entire world, and, and really practice impermanence, practice letting it go so that we can really uh, be healthy and well people again. Uh, thank you so much, Dave. Now, where can everybody uh, buy your book and also uh, take a uh, visit to your website? Yeah, so my website is morningalters.com. A morning, like this morning, M-O-R-I-N-I-N-G-A-L-T-A-R-S.com. And uh, you can get the book there. Um, but, you know, we really are asking people to either go to their local books, bookstores or, or gift shops and ask them to carry it. Um, and, uh, and, of course, we're selling the book on Amazon and Walmart and Target and Barnes and & Noble. Um, and if you read the book and you love the book, um, for whatever reason, it's really helpful to write a review on Amazon. So That's right. uh, we're looking to, uh, to start, you know, and just really get people in love with the earth again and in love with this art. And I'm grateful to be here on the show to share about it today. Well, thank you so much, Day. I am again impressed. Ladies and gentlemen, again, check out Day Shilkret's uh, website, morningalters.com. Check out his Instagram page, buy the book. You will be inspired Bring some more peace and calm into your life. And ladies and gentlemen, remember to catch every episode of Life-Changing Wellness. Just hit subscribe on iTunes or on my show page at RadioMD.com slash Dr. Bond. And if I can ask you a favor, please take 30 seconds, rate the show on iTunes. Thank you for doing that for me as we want to bring you the best show possible. You can also learn about me at drwardbond.com. Check out my daily television program, the Dr. Ward Bond Show on Direct and Dish Television. Just go to my website, look up all the channels across Direct and Dish nationwide as well as the cable uh, the cable stations that we're on as well across the nation. So again, thank you for listening to Life-Changing Wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Ward Bond, and remember, something spectacular happens when you treat your body right. Have a blessed day, everyone.